Hello, and welcome to You Better Hear Me. I am your host, Charlene McWilliams. And today I am talking with fitness life expert, Ewanike Akpan. Ewanike, I have known, oh, how long have I known you? Ooh, we're dating ourselves now. I have known you, I first was introduced to you through some wonderful women at Heart and Soul Magazine back when I was a copy editor there. And I honestly can't tell you what year that was. What year was that? <laughs> oh, was it, oh. Two, was it in the 2000s? It must have been the no, 2000s. I, early, Ooh. early, early 2000s. Early, yeah, early. Two, yeah, like 2002 or 2003 or something like that. Yes. And we were doing, at Heart and Soul, we were doing wonderful stories on women getting in shape and heart and soul. There, there was fitness, there was beauty, there was everything covered in that magazine. Nutrition. I miss that magazine. So nutrition, everything. And yeah. we were introduced then and Elenike had this bomb boot camp outside in DC uh, off of 16th street in DC. Mm-hmm. And I, I will never forget this hill. She made us go up and down. <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> I, I remember seeing that hill. I was like, she crazy. What's she, what she want us to drive up that hill? you want us to do lunch and she lost her ever love but anyway that hill was the bane of my existence but it also helped me you know it, it, it coaxed me into being in better shape and wanting to be in better shape and so her boot camp classes were absolutely wonderful the scheduling didn't my schedule has always been kind of crazy so I couldn't continue always with her 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 boot camps but I always just watched her from afar and was like man she is just so wonderful and knowing her background is something that, uh, you know, it wasn't a, a, a thing that I was used to. You know, most of the, the Black people that I knew didn't grow up in fitness. We kind of fell into it. But she had a lifestyle of fitness growing up. And I'll let, you, I'll let her talk a little bit more about how she got into fitness. And then, um, you know, we knew each other, saw each other on social media, kept up with each other there. And then she made a transition in our life. And that's really what I want her to talk about today with us. I want her to talk about how she came to the realization that this is what she wanted to do and how she made a plan to make this happen and has done it. Uh, And and so many of us in our lives get to some crossroads where we don't know what to do and we're trepidatious about making that step into something new, into something unknown. And she did it. And it was the most wonderful thing. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that after she talks about her, her fitness. Ewanike, hey. Hey, girl, how you doing? Hi, Charlene. I mean, this <laughs> intro, I was just like, wow, who is she talking about? That's just, woo. I want to talk to that person. And I'm like, oh, me? But I, I guess it, did, it it is me when you start talking about the 16th Street uh, a hill that we used Ooh. to run up. Uh, mm. That was at Malcolm X Park. Ooh. And... I remember that boot camp and I, I've done boot camp classes. My core boot camp is right. the name of my program, C O R E. And I have done that program at various locations throughout Washington, yeah. DC. But I tell you the, the, the classes that I did at Malcolm X Park are probably one of my that's probably one of my most favorite locations because we had that heel and so it just was naturally a part of the yeah, routine the that I could build in for us to do and and I you know I just absolutely love the stairs that were in there and all the different places that we could go in and around Malcolm X Park I used to live 
a block from there next uh -huh. to Meridian Hill. And so I knew that area really well. And the park was just beautiful too. Yeah. So it was nice to, to be out there and get distracted by all the beautiful trees and all that. But right. you know, we, we got our work in. We showed sure. did. We showed we got our work in. in. Yes. I was like, the, the hill, we got to do the hill today. I was just praying sometimes we didn't do the hill. <laughs> Let's not do the hill. <laughs> you know, I, I did the classes uh, outside with absolutely no equipment. That's what right. boot camps, remember, used yeah. to be about just your own body, body weight. weight. And, mm -hmm. and just how do you, was what's in your environment? Whether it's with the stairs or the park benches or the curbs or nice. the hills, you know, the, the different variations of terrain, whatever it was, using that to get strong, be outside, mm -hmm. bring some fresh air. And, you know, later on incorporated some bands and dumbbells mm -hmm. and things like that. But probably some of the best classes I have is just getting really creative, bringing out some cones to right. mark off I our space. Those cones. Yes, and then just going for it. Yeah, I remember doing those those tricep um, dips on the on the bench, and yes. still thinking she crazy. She wants us to do that on the curve, but I'm going <laughs> to <do> this bench. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I was so, the obstinate um, one occasionally. I know she probably was like that, Charlene. She's over there. Doing no, you weren't. The, you weren't the only one. Let me tell you. <laughs> It's been years that I've been getting looks in my workouts from folks who, you know, are like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe she's asking this, asking me to do this right now. But after the fact, they're like showing me their biceps and their triceps and, or pictures of them in fly dresses. And they're like, yep, I got in that dress or I'm feeling good. I'm looking good. I'm like, that's right, because you're putting in that work. Right. So All because of that park bench. And Ebony, thank you so much. <laughs> happy to help you feel, live, and look good. Right. And that is just so much been, that's your life. That's, that's been something you've been living and breathing for um, more than 20 years. So tell us a little yes. bit how you got into that. And that, that is so amazing that you've been able to be consistent. And that, that means that it's a part of who you are, your DNA. Oh, and that's the great thing because you share that passion with everyone. You can see that when you're with her and she, she exudes it. She wants you to enjoy the workout. Not, and that's what I remember from the workouts in, in addition to that hill. So tell us a little <laughs> bit, tell us a little bit how you got into that fitness genre. You know, I never expected to be in fitness professionally and be a mm -hmm. teacher. That was the furthest thing from my mind when I came to Washington, D.C. to go to Howard University. Mm -hmm. I originally was studying psychology. I graduated in African-American studies. I did different business classes while I was there because I started a, a t-shirt business at Howard. I've always been an entrepreneur. But one of the things that I had as a part of my upbringing that I am so fortunate to have yes. had, and that is a very active uh, lifestyle, but more exam more importantly, an example. And my mother, mm -hmm. who was physically active throughout my entire childhood, my mother was an aerobics dance instructor. And this like oh, goes God. back to the very beginning of aerobics classes where there were tights and hot pants leotards. and leg warmers, Ooh. leotards and, 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 you know, the white 
Reebok sneakers, which are now classics, but back then they were like <laughs> the standard. And she taught Jackie Sorensen aerobic <laughs> dancing at the YWCA in Detroit, Michigan, where I'm from. And from probably the age of six, mm -hmm. about six years old, she uh, would take me and my brother to the classes in the evenings with her and on Saturday mornings. And I saw my mother teach cl her class three days a week. Wow. All the way through until high school, until I, and you know, until I graduated. My mm -hmm. mother was teaching classes. And so it was a part of my life. Spending those hours at the YWCA were, that's where I kind of grew up, if you will, you know, mm -hmm. just yeah. in the gym and yeah. watching my mom running around being active. So that example of her and her, her classmates who were, were her friends, uh -huh. these black women in Detroit in the eighties moving and um, late seventies and eighties became a part of my normal. It, it, that right. was my normal life. And so for me, I had that example and, and that didn't make being active as a, you know, as a high schooler and when I got to college and just as an adult mm -hmm. foreign, it right. was natural for me. It wasn't something that I did every day, but mm -hmm. when it came time to me paying attention to my own health, it was a lot easier probably for me to adopt that lifestyle because yeah. it, it was already, you know, just kind of ingrained there. Right. And so I've, I've always recognized that not everyone has had that or grew up with that same type of example. Right. Um, and in and, and the African-American community, it is not a part of our mm -mm. just activity, paying for classes, going to aerobics classes, being a part of like an organized uh, physical class is not yeah. something that... Yeah we do a lot unless it's just like getting out and playing ball or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe you have this some type of just kind of in our community environment. It's not a part of our, our community, like what we do all the time or it wasn't. Yeah, it then. wasn't. Yeah. It was unusual to see black women out, you know, running around in Michigan in the wintertime you know, saying that they're waking up early Saturday morning to go run three to five miles. Like, it was like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> right, right, right. Don't you want to stay warm? You want to die out exactly. there? Creamsicle? Exactly. Creamsicle, what are you doing? <laughs> right. So I had that in my mom who was really just into establishing a healthy lifestyle for mm -hmm. me and my, my brother and our, our family by eating healthy, we grew up vegetarian, just strictly mm -hmm. for health reasons. Right. And um, and just, she had us outside running around with her and riding our bikes whenever we could. And then eventually mm -hmm. entered us into races. I probably did my first road race when I was eight years old. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, so, you know, just, I didn't know any differently. I really right. didn't know any differently. And so it, it but it's kind of kind of wild that I then came full circle to who to get back teaching, to that. Yeah. yeah. Being in physical activity as a profession. Cause it, it's it just it kind of happened. It wasn't what I planned at all. <laughs>
Right. And so you, you said that you've got, you've been doing it for maybe more than 20 years now. How did you, what made you, I think I read somewhere that it was a bike ride that really yeah. inspired you to make that switch from the corporate world to doing fitness as a profession and to share that passion with other people. Yeah, it was. I participated in the 1999 AIDS ride, which mm -hmm. was a long distance bike ride uh, to raise money for AIDS awareness and the support of AIDS, people living with AIDS. And I, I did it in memory of my cousin who had passed away from AIDS. And I identified the, the, the training program at the gym that I was going to, the YMCA mm -hmm. in Detroit, in, in, I'm sorry, in Washington, DC, they had a, a flyer. And honestly, I, I decided to do that training program because I needed something like a distraction. I needed mm -hmm. to put my energy and my time into something because at, because at that time I was getting out of a relationship. I was really uh -huh. upset about it. it. It had been like really a bad ending. I was feeling mm -hmm. down and I saw that flyer and I was just like, oh, this will be great. This would be something to do. Mm -hmm. the, it was three days a week, early in the morning and after, after work. And, and I just poured everything into that training program and it became like my outlet right. for this, this emptiness that I, and the sadness that I had at the mm -hmm. time. And I found this group of people to, that I was working out with in this indoor spinning class that we're all preparing to do this 330 mile bike ride. It was going to be from Raleigh, North Carolina to Washington, DC over three days. We were all gonna do this, or we all did do the bike ride together, but the training was indoors in, at the Y and then we would do our rides on the weekends outside. Right. And it just became like this passion of mine because I, I needed it at the time in my life, honestly, that, that's how it happened. But what also the transformation for me was that I started really taking to heart everything that the spinning instructor said about how we had to prepare our bodies for the extreme heat mm -hmm. that we were gonna be riding in. I mean, the race, the ride took place during June. Oh, All wow. right. In wow. North Carolina Oof. to D.C. on average, 100 miles a day. So they oh, were my. talking about hydration, nutrition. They were talking about other ways we should be training ourselves besides just riding in those classes inside in the controlled environment of the yeah, lot. The air conditioning. <laughs> the air conditioning, right. And, you know, fans blowing on you. They're like, you're not going to have any of this when you get outside. So. This is what you need to do. And I was like, okay, I don't want to die on this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like this is, I'm doing this in memory of my cousin, but I'm not I trying to sacrifice my, my life here. <laughs> I'll, I'll raise as much money as, as I possibly can and, and put in the miles, but I'm not going to die. So I took everything that they said to heart and they said, you need to be doing additional resistance training to, mm -hmm build up the muscles in your upper body because you're right. going to be leaning over this bike. You, right. you need to have good core muscles. And I was like, Ooh, what's that? And, and back. And, and so I started reading books, you know, and I, 
honestly believe it started with just magazines that I was getting mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. grocery store and, you know, the, the shape magazines and the, <laughs> right. the women's right. health yes. magazines. Women's, and, yeah. And, you know, just those things. That, and then following the workouts that they had inside. Mm-hmm. And I started feeling stronger. I started encouraging the people in my spinning classes to go with me to the weight room after right. we would do our classes. And I just kind of naturally fell into this role of saying, okay, let's do this exercise. And it says that we should do it for this number of reps, and <laughs> reps. this number of sets. And I, I became like this unofficial trainer and mm-hmm. the positive response that I got from the folks in my class though, kept me going. People right. were saying, Hey, I, I felt stronger on my, my 30 mile ride compared to when I did my 20 mile ride a couple weeks ago and okay, yeah. my, my shoulders felt great. And I think those exercises we're doing together are working. And I was like, okay, great. Let's keep doing it. Like this is, this right. is awesome. This is good. Good yeah. Too, you yeah. know? And after the ride, I, I survived number one. <laughs> oh like, yeah. Jerry, miracle. But we also had a good time on the mm-hmm. ride and I just, it was almost like we were all in this euphoric state of participating in this challenging, physically challenging event. Yeah. And we mentally. Were oh, oh my God. Yes. Let me tell you mentally. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it boils down to that. Yeah. Right. It, it is when it comes to pushing yourself physically, it really is like your mindset that mm-hmm. you can do it. Having yeah. that confidence that you can do it. Right. And that is what, I was developing. Anytime you mm-hmm. do a training program, that's what you are developing. Also, in addition to your physical strength, it's your it's your it's mental mindset. strength yeah. too. Yeah. And um, after the ride and the positive experience and reflecting on it, I decided I wanted more of that. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted decided, to share that with other people too. Yeah, I, I wanted to be able to help others to get through training programs like that and to get on the other side of their their goals and mm-hmm. feel mm-hmm. positive and keep it going. Right. Keep that up. That is so wonderful that you made that transition. And we, uh, those of us who have enjoyed your classes and enjoyed the journey with you are so appreciative that you got into it, <laughs> that you decided that you wanted to still do that. And another thing that is just so amazing about you is just your life in general. You know, in addition to having a lifestyle of fitness that's been consistent and growing and evolving, your personal life has evolved. And that's one of the things I wanted to get into and talk about too. And how that has encouraged, has encouraged and will encourage people. So one of the things that you did or you're doing as a fit life expert is you have these boot camps in Costa Rica. And I remember seeing that on, on, in, in, in um, social media and thinking, wow, that would be so cool to go and have a, you know, whole, just a retreat and be fitness focused in Costa Rica. And I've been to Costa Rica and I've done the little canopy tours, you know, when they take you on the, it's, it's, what is it called? You know, canopy tour. I'm just going to say zip lining. And I, I enjoyed it so much. So I can just imagine how wonderful it is to participate 
in a retreat that's just focused on fitness and 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 being active and nutrition and just having all this health information at your disposal 24/7 for the the lifespan of that that retreat. So you had the retreat and I thought that was so wonderful that you were doing that. And then I read later on and you made the transition too into being coming a mom and that was amazing. So yes. I wanted I want you to talk a little and I watched you while you were working out too sometimes you were pregnant. I was like look at her. And I want you to talk a little bit about how that changed because for some women um leading you know being pregnant and being active um is different and then after during the pregnancy is different and then after the fitness is is different. I remember when I was pregnant and I was, you know, seriously going to the gym still, I had a trainer and I was doing Zumba. I had to stop at eight months. They said, you need to stop because I was still doing Zumba. They said, no, you need to go sit down somewhere because I was older. I was 45 when I had my baby and my body was like, you doing too much. You need to go sit down right. somewhere. We, t- we tired. We tired. First of all, we tired. And then you put a baby up on him. So yeah, we real tired. Go sit down. So I had to sit down at eight months, you know, and during, you know, that the first few months after having her was just exhausting, draining physically and mentally and emotionally. So there was virtually no um, activity other than me walking her outside in in, in the stroller. But then afterwards, I kind of got back into fitness and saying, yeah, I really miss my, my Zumba classes, I missed the, the strength training. And so I tried to get back into it and ease back into it. And then, you know, was doing really well for a few years. And then this pandemic came and pandemic came and just threw me all off track. But we're not talking about Charlene right now, but we want to get back to how you were able to keep your fitness. And, and, and is it because it was your job or what kind of process did you go through leading up to the, you know, the pregnancy during the pregnancy and then after the pregnancy with your fitness? Cause I just saw you fit the entire time. <laughs> well, ooh, that's, mm-hmm. that's, uh, there's a lot there. There's a lot so, there. Ebonique. Just do it. <laughs> Give us a little surface if you can. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot. And I, and you and I are around the same age. I'm, I don't know if I'm maybe a little it's older. Okay. I'm currently, how old am I currently? Sometimes you forget, right? right I'm you 50 years old. Okay. 50 years old. And I got she looks pregnant. Like she, she looks like at, she's a teenager, y'all. She looks like she's a I teenager. I got pregnant at 47. So <laughs> mm-hmm. you said you had your daughter at 45. I had my daughter at 48. Wow. And it was a natural conception. Yeah. Yep. And it was Did unexpected. They ask you the same thing? Did they ask you the same thing when you went? Is this a natural birth? I'm like, every time you, I come in here, you ask me the same thing it, it, because they were asking if I had IVF. I'm, no, I did not. <laughs> really? Not a, you, you, no, other people out, out in just everyday life, if, you know, they happen to hear my age or, you know, we just started talking. I told them my age asked that the doctors, they knew the doctors uh-huh. were kind of just like, as soon as you, you, I'd come in, okay, like, like almost like I was like an emergency case. You know, Ooh. and just sit your old ass down. <laughs> and we're gonna take your blood pressure, you know, right. that type of thing. You you literally the, the medical industry still to this day yeah. mm-hmm. looks at um the the maternity uh of of, of women, the maturity of women and our ability 
to have children in such an antiquated way. Mm-hmm. And mm. the standards around our care, whether you're in your 20s, you know, or your 40s, when you are pregnant and with their child are based on addressing your concerns at the highest level of medical intervention. And it is unfortunate that that is the case yeah. because it is one of the most uh, natural things right. <laughs> that we can experience and that we as women can go through. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. most times if there has been a natural conception of the child and there are no issues leading up right. to that, then there's not a lot of need for medical intervention. You know, right. there's a lot of need for support. Exactly. And I'm, I'm I, support, you know, of information about, you know, how to stay mm-hmm. active and, and listening to your body and right. of, you know, the basic things that really we all need every day anyway. Right. When it comes to being healthy. But so, but, but that's kind of getting to the middle of the story. The beginning of the story, I've already shared with you. It's yeah. this lifelong, I really do attribute being able to deliver, to mm-hmm. carry my child to full term and to um, even being, you know, I'm blessed for sure. I mean, there's right. nothing above the fact that this was an unexpected and it was after having had three miscarriages. So oh, wow. I, I never expected, and I was to be able to have and deliver a child all the way right. uh, through, you know, natural delivery. So I was really concerned that when I did get pregnant with my daughter, that I would, you know, have the same um, result as I had had before. Previously, yeah. Right, for sure. So that was a concern. And I had met with with doctors who had said, you know, um, your age is is definitely a factor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just, you know, that's just the way it is. You're born with so many eggs. Right, right. And and they get as old as you are. (laughs) And there's just genetically... You know, um, so many chances. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what are you going to do? So we didn't expect to to um, be able to have, you know, a full term uh, delivery. And I did. So it was just completely a blessing. But when I think about the ability that I had to uh, to carry my child and to be Mm -hmm. active as you were up until eight months, Mm -hmm. during the time that I was pregnant, I attributed to being active prior Mm -hmm. to getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be active for as long as I possibly could while I was pregnant. That was very important to me Mm -hmm. because there were a lot of things. I had helped a lot of women to be active, you know, during their pregnancy, just as their personal trainer. I've been a personal trainer and I actually went into personal training before I even went into group exercise teaching my boot camp classes. So okay. working with people one on one, I was for the very first time experiencing what they had experienced for myself and so I had to live now what I had been 
sharing with them and kind of, right. you know, encouraging them to do was to remain active in whatever way it was appropriate for you, as long as you possibly could, because of the benefits to the child, if you are mm -hmm. able to do it. Mm -hmm. I knew the science behind that. And so that was important to me. You had to practice what also, you preached. Yeah, you have to practice what you, what you preach. Absolutely. Any professional, you, you have this knowledge that you've been trained in and, you, you know, for your job, that, that's what you do, or you right. have an area of interest that you like to study and then you want to share that with other people. You have to be an example of that. Right. And just definitely being active and, and trying to live the healthiest life possible. And I'm not at all a saint. Like I, we, I, we all, you know, have our ebbs and flows with our practices of health. Right. And right. But but at that time, I, I took it incredibly serious mm -hmm. to to continue to be active. And a lot of times it, it was, I was teaching my boot camp classes, but I got mm -hmm. to a point in my pregnancy, sure, where I wasn't about to demonstrate the burpee. <laughs> Y'all know what a burpee is, go on the D5. The, all the squats of the class, no. It, but I was there and I was right. on my feet and I was moving and I had a client while throughout my pregnancy that mm -hmm. I would walk with. That, that was her exercise session is for us to get in our three and a half mile walk. And I was doing that before I got pregnant. And I continued to do that with her throughout my pregnancy. But oh, right. I know how much she was helping me. Right. I had that session and that I had that movement plan as a part of our program. And mm -hmm. I was helping her to that for that accountability to wake up in the morning and get out and, and to go but I know that was helpful for my child. Yes. And um, yeah, so, so that, was, that was just super important, that, that, that foundation. If you are anyone who's listening, who is expecting to get pregnant or wants to, or is over the age of 40 and thinking that it's not even possible. It is. It is possible because I'm a living testament, you know, again, after three miscarriages, um, it, 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 that was God, but it's possible, but mm -hmm. the activity is also possible if you just do it in a way where you're listening to your body, you do what's appropriate right. and right. you're consulting with your doctors the whole entire way. You know, my, the, my doctors, I was doing hit classes Taking classes at the time. And they, they advised me, you need to wear a heart rate monitor. You really need to be monitoring mm -hmm. what your highest heart rate level is while you're running and you're doing all these activities and not let it get above a certain point. Right. And so, okay, I took that information. I understood that. And um, I, you know, I followed it accordingly. Right. You know, yeah. but I wasn't going to stop moving. I wasn't yeah, going to exactly. stop running and, and, until I felt as though I, I needed to. Right. And right. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's, it's a matter of, really... like you said, listening to your body, listening to yes. you know your body. And yeah. you're uniquely positioned to be able to make that decision because you are in that business. You're in the business of fitness. So, you know, um, when your body is going to, when your body's telling you to do something or not do something, you know when to rest when to stop right right so and let me tell yeah. you i took plenty of naps <laughs> right. 
throughout my whole entire pregnancy, not just the first trimester, okay? Like the whole pregnancy. I was like, give me a nap. Ooh, I need one. I'm gonna right need a nap now. right now. Now, now I want to really know the truth. Did you have any Oreos? Any any kind of like the what was the what was your go to cheat food or your go to food that you just had to have while you were pregnant? Come on, you can tell us. Come okay, on. I'm gonna be very you. real with you right Transparent. now. Transparent. I craved pineapple. Oh. Okay. And I, I mean, like you're kind of like, give me a break, a fruit. But seriously, I could not get enough. And I don't even really like pineapple like that. Really? But I lived at the time right across the street from Whole Foods. Oh boy. Which was to my detriment because (laughs) we were always going to their bar, a Mm pre-cut sliced (laughs) fruit salads. And I, I gave Whole Foods so much money during my pregnancy, <laughs> primarily on the fruit salad and some pineapple. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I don't okay. know what that is, that, yeah. that sweet, sour, I couldn't get enough of it. And it didn't burn my mouth the way it normally does, right. you know. <laughs> right. When you're pregnant, yeah. you just like you feel you have these superpowers they, that your body is sort of, it does things that you can, you know, you don't normally do. So that no burnt mouth, that's what your right, pregnancy yeah. gave you. Weird. You but that was my thing. That was my thing. Yeah. Well, that's- I had to eat a lot of, I had to eat a lot of protein um, mm-hmm. during my pregnancy. The doctors were concerned with the weight of my baby, actually, okay. as, as, the, as I got further and further along. And, and so I became really conscious of not maybe eating enough protein at every mm-hmm. meal. Mm-hmm. I, I just was eating the way I normally eat. And they were like, that's just not enough protein right. for the development of your child. You need to eat more, eat more, eat more. So right. I, so we started buying fish more and cooking more different types of fish. Mm-hmm. And that, so I, I remember specifically like that was eating eating more fish and having supplements of protein, like protein bars and and protein shakes, which I normally wouldn't do a lot of because it's not, you know, it's, it's processed to a large, large degree, but on the go and and the the fact that I had a need for the extra protein. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wound up having to do a lot more protein in my diet during that time. Yeah, Yeah. It's, it's amazing how we, as older women <laughs> who were, and I too, I, I, I'm not by any means as in shape as you are, but I was able to carry my baby, my healthy, healthy baby. And the same thing, they, they wanted her to be a little bit bigger. Um, so I had to eat a little bit more and, and, and that was something for me, but having that fitness level after I had the baby, I was able to snap back and they were, the doctors were like, wow, you're able to get up. Cause I had a C-section and I was able to get yeah. up really soon afterwards and walk around and, and mm-hmm. the nurses were amazed because I was the geriatric mom on the floor right. at the time. And she's <laughs> like, you know, I remember one nurse coming in there saying, you're doing better than some of the 20 year olds. I was like, Hey, that's because their core isn't tight. My core is tight girl. Yes. Right. That's right. It's all that working that's out. Right. So mm-hmm. I, was, I was fluffy, but I was still in you know good, decent shape at the time. So yeah, all of that really does pay off. And having that as a, a mentality and a lifestyle is it's, it's so important, I think. And one of the things, too, as you, you, you made a transition into uh, motherhood, which is amazing and seeing that. And that's that is a blessing, given the background. But now uh, you have taken your entire life 
and done something amazing with it, even more amazing than becoming a mom. Uh, you have moved. Yes, I'm in Mexico. Costa oh. Rica is where I've done my my fitness and wellness retreats. And oh. it is the place where I thought I would move to be in a Spanish speaking country, which I've always wanted to do. But we actually wound up in Mexico. And okay. that's where I am right now. <laughs> and that's okay. Okay, you're in Mexico. But you picked up your whole life. You were in, in the D.C. area. And that's what I really wanted to find out about and, and want you to talk to my listeners about is the fact that you picked up your whole life. You have a business. You have a family. And you said, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to go to a Spanish-speaking country. Yeah, 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 I'm doing that. And I, I think you did part of that while during the pandemic. So I want you to tell us, tell the listeners why you did this initially. Why was this move so important to you? And um, we'll get into a little bit more of uh, of what kind of benefits it's been and and how it's really you know treasure for you and your your family to have this opportunity to do this now. But tell us why did you want to move to a Spanish speaking country? Join me next week as I continue my conversation with Ewanike Agpan as she talks about how she moved her family and her thriving fitness business to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> 